On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses Porcupine Tree's closure continuation. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Jill Beauclair, and on this episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends Paul Zotter and Ken Gregory as we talk about Porcupine Tree's closure continuation. All right, gentlemen, welcome to the Palaver this evening. This is very, very exciting. This is the first time that we have talked Porcupine Tree, which is in some ways absolutely amazing, given the, um, you know, the sheer amount of on-air time that we have spent gushing about Stephen Wilson in various forms through the solo catalog, collaborations with Fish and others, as well as um, I believe we've done a special concert series on him as well. And and just given the amount of time, even off air, that we have talked about Stephen Wilson, uh, I mean, I know we we joked about it in the um, in in the episode, Paul. But you know, you were after me on hand cannot erase for years before I finally, you know, sort of acquiesced and got into it. I have been obsessed with Blackfield for a really long time, even though we haven't talked about them on air. And somehow, through everything we've done at the Palaver, you know, learning more about progressive rock, learning more about Stephen Wilson, following the solo catalog, those were some of our... I think most fun and energetic episodes. We we talk amongst ourselves um, about, I believe it's episode 60, which is to the bone as being, you know, maybe the the, the most perfect representation of what we feel the, the palaver should be. Um, and, and through all of that, somehow, miraculously, I have had this gaping hole where Porcupine Tree fits. I just never listened to them. Wow. And, you know, I started to change that a few, you know, two months ago or so when um, we went to go see Porcupine Tree live. Um, but, I mean, I remember when they announced this album, I was not at all excited by it. I, I didn't feel any sort of overwhelming need or desire to go get it. And... I kind of started listening to it late. I only just now recently within the last four weeks, I believe purchased a physical copy of closer continuation. I was listening to it streaming. Um, but it is, I, yeah, I'm, let's just say I'm really enjoying my time exploring nice. the porcupine tree catalog now. So let's just start there, Joe. So which uh, physical medium, by chance, did, did you decide to purchase? Um, I could only find, well, I purchased the regular edition CD, which I know where you're going and we'll get to that. 
And, and I purchased that because... That's all I, that was available. I, it, it was what was available. Now, I, I could... I, I took too long to get on board. And so by the time I wanted to purchase this, the vinyl that I wanted, like I'm, I'm a snob. I wanted the cool silver vinyl and I couldn't get it. Now I could have, I could have very easily obtained black vinyl, but I'm like, nah, black vinyl's lame. I want, (laughs) I want, you know, the silver vinyl. And I just, I couldn't get it at a reasonable price. And so I ended up getting just the the standard issue CD because it helps me um, prepare for the palaver if I can listen, you know, when I drive back and forth between Fort right. Worth and College Station. It's it's right. a it's a perfect sort of opportunity. In fact, when I drove down um, Sunday night, I'd listened through um, Closure Continuation like one and a half times just just then. Nice. Um, so. So that that's why I bought what I bought, but I, you know, I, I think I know where you're going, Paul. So, well, sure. So you were listening to it streaming to begin with, mm-hmm. like I was. I too missed the opportunity to get the deluxe box set, <laughs> and <laughs> and and bought the CD that was available, and and it's missing three tracks. Yeah, and it happens to be missing my favorite one. <laughs> and 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 it's it's funny, right? Because here on the Palaver, we are generally in the in the position of not covering bonus tracks and things of right. that nature. However, I think these three tracks, and I don't have copious notes on them, but I did make some notes because these three tracks are really freaking good. Yeah. Uh, um. <laughs> You know, and 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 it's funny, right? When we talk about our feelings about Stephen Wilson and you know the the marketing machine and how to get our money and deluxe box sets and you know all that kind of business, right? And and so that's why there are you know there are myriad different versions of closure continuation that you could have bought when it was released and. I, I honestly haven't looked into it. My guess is, Paul, that on the double-length vinyl, these three probably cover a side, much like side four of the quest. Ah, would okay. be would be my guess. Wow. Um, so there, there's a reason why you know they're there, but I, I mean, they could have just as easily included them on the CD. I'm sure there's plenty of room on here. You'd think, yeah. And and it's not like, you know, listening to the, the the full album plus these extra three tracks produces any sort of, you know, listening fatigue, because like I said, I think they're great tracks. And, and what what is funny to me <laughs> is that, and I don't know how these algorithms work, so I don't know if I revisited, never have many times, uh, you know, out of order, but you know when like. You know, when King's X first came out at Labor Day, I would listen to that record and on, on, I would, I would stream it. And at the end, you know, when it automatically goes to like your next track, it, it would always play Never Have. And mm. then I would, I would listen to like Marillion and it would get to the end and it would, it would play Never Have. Really? So it's like this song. I was like, ah, oh, they must be like promoting this song or something like that. I get the CD. And I'm listening to my car, and it skips back to Harrodin, and I'm like, 
what the fuck? <laughs> where, where did those last three songs go? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, like I said, I part of me kind of gets it, but I... Yeah, it's, I, I'm, it's I'm, fine. It's I, I'm just, still kind of annoyed, right? Yeah, it's odd. So... And it, yeah, and it doesn't say, like, you know, similar to, like, you know, it's funny that we're comparing it to the quest um you know and at least it's format but yeah i mean the quest didn't have things labeled as quote unquote bonus tracks and in that situation we were like why the fuck are these songs even here right? <laughs> no the, the those three songs on the quest are listed as the bonus are they on the yeah. spot, on the streaming on the stream oh 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 no, maybe not on the streaming but certainly on the cd they're listed Right, I don't. Yeah. I maybe they were. I didn't think they were listed as bonus on on they, streaming on they, Spotify. So. Yeah, I, I'm not sure myself. So it's just kind of a funny and and quirky thing. It's just very confusing trying to keep track of um of of music these days. Yeah, it's it's um yeah. I'm sure there's some sort of genius marketing involved in and this. I, yeah, uh, I, I just I, I'm with, the thing is, I'm with you, Joe. Right, so for me. Uh, certain types of, like I'll confess, uh, I I went out and I I bought uh, the new Taylor Swift album on vinyl uh, because it the, she had talk about a marketing craze. She released four different colors of vinyl with four different covers, four different backs that all form a clock because her album's called Midnight's. You can buy a frame to go with the clock. Blah blah blah. I was struck by the 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 see-through mahogany vinyl color, and uh, and I'm not I'm not embarrassed to admit it. I, I'm a, I'm a Taylor Swift fan. I don't mind, and so I picked it up on on vinyl, um, and I only bought the vinyl because of the of the color. I thought the color looked righteous on uh, on the website. There was no vinyl available for me either to buy. Uh, uh, closure continuation. However, with with Porcupine Tree, I I don't think like I don't I don't think oh I'm going to get that on vinyl right. Like to me, I'd rather have it that I can take it in my car, play it in my CD player in my car, bring it inside, play it in my CD player there, right? Enjoy that medium. I don't know that I'm getting you know how many nuances I'm I'm getting from Porcupine Tree in uh, on vinyl right, um, in in my normal listening environment. So. It's 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 a little frustrating to me that you know you buy the CD to your point plenty of room just put the tracks on there like I get it but at the same time it's like come on end of rant sorry I'll get I'll get off the bonus tracks now I'm done well I you know I think it's I think it's a it's a valid rant um, totally get it and you know we've we've talked a lot on here you know about musicians and how they do or don't make money right and you know uh, this is a way that they can make crap tons of money i guess maybe it's not quite on the level of you know the golden days if there ever were the golden days but um you know they do have the ability to make a lot of cash so yeah i'd know. love to see taylor swift's uh balance sheet and I'd love to see the revenues coming in from the vinyl, because, like, you know, I guess vinyl's making a little bit of a comeback, but seriously, <laughs> like, well, I mean, it, I'm sure the volume of vinyl isn't 
quite what it used to be. But I think the profit yeah. margins on vinyl has got to be huge. They got to be huge. And they're it, similar to, like, if King's X had put out Dogman on vinyl with four different color vinyl with four different colored dogs like they had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I probably would have bought all four of them. They could release you know? it today and I would buy them. Yeah. So, I mean, like... <laughs> So that's why these things work. I think you're right. The profit mar- margins huge, and they're and they're, uh, yeah. It's a it's a um, it's a cash business. Uh, Paul, I can't even tell you how many times I've listened to the Taylor Swift album, Swift album, uh, a couple times on my own, but mostly through Barkley, and it's all good. Yeah. Uh, they won me over. Jack Antonoff, her producer in particular, yep. yeah, um, won me over. They recreated one of her albums acoustically with. Mm. Uh, the two of them and a third musician and that video is fantastic if you can find that and uh the the guy from the national mm-hmm. did the bonus tracks on this last one is that um is that uh john hull or um aaron Destner? yes yes all, all stellar i mean I, i'm just waiting for antonoff and Destner to make a prog album won't happen, but it'd be really cool. Hey, it, I, I'm sitting there listening to the Taylor Swift on my beautiful mahogany vinyl, and I'm thinking to myself, this album's thematic, whether you like it or not. It's thematic. It's all oh. the songs that you know. Are, are we going to do a prog, not prog on Taylor Swift? Please tell me no. No. Well, I'm just saying there's some thematic things going on there. <laughs> That's going to be a funny list because. It's going to be Radiohead, it's going to be Elbow, and then it's going to be Taylor Swift, Prog, not Prog. Oh, and Iron Maiden. Tame and so Tame, there, Tame Impala. <laughs> Tame Impala. <laughs> um, so one thing that I'm, I'm sort of contractually obligated to bring up about Stephen Wilson, since we have twice now talked about deluxe box sets, is, um, you know... There's an ongoing joke here in my house around that particular song, Personal Shopper, and the the list of items that are superfluous um, that that Stephen goes through. And we talked about that when we covered that album um, specifically and, and, you know, the different levels or layers of, you know, things that you don't need that you buy and, and you know, self-image things that you know, work against you and for you and all of that. We talked about all of that. Um, and, and it's, it's not funny. Maybe it's just sad. There was one item on that list that never really struck out to me because I guess I was too busy waiting for the deluxe box sets. And that is apparently he lists birth control in there, which like, which one of these things is not like the other. So, um, you know, Stephen, if you're listening and there's some reason why birth control's on there, I'd love to hear about it. So just putting that out there. Mm. Mm. I don't remember birth control. I remember uh, multivitamins being oh. mentioned. <laughs> multivitamins is, is definitely big. And uh, mm-hmm. what was it? Designer trainers, I think, was the other decidedly <laughs> British thing. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah, this uh, this has come up multiple times since um, we listened to uh, the Future Bites repeatedly. So just wanted to to throw that out there. 
All right, cool. So back to Porcupine Tree. Maybe before we get into the album itself, um, I did want to talk just briefly about the other, at this point, two members of Porcupine Tree. One, Gavin Harrison and Richard Barberi. Is it Barberi or Barberi? I don't know how you say it. Richard Barberi. Hannah Barbera. <laughs> um, so Richard Barberi, uh, it was a bit of an enigma to me. And so I went to go look him up and come to find out he did two albums with Steve Hogarth. Oh, yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. Super Ice Cream cool. Genius. Yeah. And Gavin Harrison has some pretty, pretty stellar prog cred. Um, oh, yeah. Including Porcupine oh, yeah. Tree, The Pineapple Thief, which I really like personally. Mm -hmm. um, he apparently has been a at least a live member of King Crimson for some time. I don't know if he's actually recorded any studio yeah. work with them. Yeah, and I've seen him twice. He's yeah. one of the four drummers on that tours with King Crimson. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a fish story. Like, four drummers. There, there's there's there just four three. There are three drummers. Ah, <laughs> oh, sorry. And... Unbeknownst to me, Gavin Harrison played on the first two Blackfield albums. Wow. I didn't know oh. that. Yeah. So um hats off to Gavin. And 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 again, you know, I I didn't really know much about them, but when I saw Porcupine Tree live, Gavin Harrison is pretty captivating for a drummer. And you know, it's I was struck oftentimes listening to this particular record, paying specific attention to some of the drum patterns and very much just reveling in them. Well, the thing that struck me about Gavin being a key member of the band, so to speak, not to, not to, you know, denigrate other drummers, but normally they're like stuck in the back somewhere where it's hard to kind of see them anyway. His riser is, is sort of unimpeded, um, off to the right. Mm -hmm. And his drum kit is configured in such a way that you can generally see him. He is not, you know, eclipsed by equipment, so to speak. Um, he's got a really good, um, mostly tight sound. It, it was a little boomy, but he was very hot in the mix. Like you couldn't escape Gavin in in that live show. And, and plus, I mean, a lot of, you know, certainly a lot of stuff on closure continuation, as we'll talk about is rhythmically driven. And, and that, you know, it, it's, it makes sense when you read a little bit about how some of these tracks were written. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, it's not often that I paid that much attention to a drummer, but at porcupine tree, I could not avoid looking at him. It's true. Gavin Harrison is so fucking good that it's almost distracting, like particularly, and, and, and this is just my bias, right? Listening to it, like the pineapple thief, like I love them. And yeah, I listen to them and sometimes I'm just distracted by how fucking good Gavin Harrison is and like what he's doing to the songs. And I'm like, was he supposed to be in this band? Like, did this band already exist? And they were like, Ooh, Gavin, can you play? And he was like, you guys are awesome. I'm going to be in the band full time. I'm going to do a like tour with you guys and everything. And it's like, it's just so he's so good. It's crazy. He really is good. It's phenomenal. 
And and again, this is all, you know, like so. Gavin did not appear extensively on the first two Blackfield albums. It's just you know a, a couple of tracks. Um, in fact, there's there's a cheat on Blackfield Two where they actually have Porcupine Trees, Fear of a Blank Planet, just listed, and it's it's you know it's credited to Porcupine Tree. Um, I'm not wow. quite sure how that happened. So it, it's not like I really was aware, and you know, as much as I enjoy the Pineapple Thief, I I never, you know, did any research into them and knew this is what I was dealing with. Um, so just I don't know, just getting to to hear him, and and like I said, and I think we said this on one of the Mind Crime episodes. It's not often on this podcast that we talk explicitly about drummers and that's not to slight drummers. It's just that they don't normally make themselves so noticeable. And and that's not really even the right word. We, we, we really do need an intern so that they can go back and listen to all our shows <laughs> and catalog shit. Mm. And we really need to catalog the number of times we've spoken about drummers versus the number of times we've spoken about drum sounds. Oh. And, I, and see which one wins. I, I bet drum sounds win. But anyway, so I'm, I'm excited by everything that I'm sort of learning and, and doing here. I've, I haven't, I've listened to a fair smattering of the back catalog. I've done a little bit of reading into the back catalog, trying to put things together. Um, it's been it's been fascinating, and and I'm very much looking forward to. And I hope at some point we here on the Palaver do go back and and do a por uh, porcupine tree segment. I think I think that would be fun. Didn't Stephen Wilson just release a, a book too? Oh, some did he? Sort of memoir, maybe. Hey, did Stephen Wilson get married? Is he married now? Yes, yes, he got married a couple of years ago. I want to say maybe just before the pandemic right yeah so we were talking about that because I'd, I'd asked the question um and and we're totally off topic here surprise here on the palaver i know um we're totally off topic but this whole this whole thing he's got with performing barefoot like weirds me out and and so i asked the question is it just when he performs or like you know does he walk around barefoot everywhere and um, I, I asked, you know, I said, well, for instance, is Stephen Wilson like walking through the parking lot without shoes on? You know, there was some interview. It was around the time of To the Bone, I think. You know, and, and we've talked before. I don't need to hear Stephen Wilson ever talk again. But I remember seeing some interview where he's sort of lamenting that he has, you know, foregone having a family for his art true yeah and then he turns around and fucking gets married so it's like I, you know. I, and i think he married i think he married a woman who has children right um yeah, yeah. so true. two girls yeah so there you go so yeah but anyway closure continuation so this was announced i mean it seems like it was announced what early 2022 and I, and I want to say, like, it was announced early and there was an aggressive, very aggressive marketing campaign around this. The and timing was curious, too, I think, because 
at least in my mind, it, it, it seemed a, a bit too uh, much of a follow-on to the, shall we say, the general disappointment of the reception of the future bites by uh, the Stephen Wilson uh, fans out out there. And it was almost like, okay, I know you didn't like that. Guess what, guys? <laughs> I've been working on this secret project for a decade. <laughs> You're going to love it. <laughs> oh, and that other guy in the band? Fuck him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. I heard Future Bites is just a gateway drug to Taylor Swift. That's what I heard. Ah. <laughs> and and here we are now. So, I, I mean, Ken, do we even want to worry about, um, you know, any sort of timeline context? Because, you know, we've been talking about all of these recent albums. So, I mean, it's all the same. We know what the timeline is. But I guess maybe we should cover it briefly in case someone listens to closure continuation and doesn't listen to the quest or um, any one of these other recent albums that we've done. The quest. (laughs) So I'm just fascinated with what's gone on. If when we started this podcast in the 2016, 2017 era, if you would have said we'd experience a new Renaissance of Prague, in 2022 we'd be a little surprised but that's exactly what happened throughout this whole period um you know you had the future bites in january 2021 uh i'm seeing uh 3.2 i'm seeing king gizzard and the lizard wizard i'm seeing the straubs i'm seeing liquid tension experiment with uh, Tony Levin and all these bands just having a blast. Frost, I can't say enough about Day and Age. Uh, Sticks got all proggy on Crash yeah. of the Crown with that opening track. Uh, big, Big Train, um, active. Um, Leprous going hog fucking wild. Neil Morse band, Innocence in Danger, is just fierce from the get go. Um, Steve Hackett, Surrender of Silence, even he's putting out new stuff. Uh, we've we've talked about a lot of these already, and they're really good. Uh, the Quest has at least three really good songs, and then a little bit of questionable stuff going on there. Um, the Deer Hunter is really amazing. I mean, I, I like the 2022 release, but the 2021 release is amazing if you haven't been there. Uh, Dream Theater is kicking ass and taking names like you wouldn't believe. Thank you, scientists, is all the rage. I think we're negligent in that area. We're going to have to get caught up there. Devin Townsend, what was he doing releasing two albums in December 2021? I guess they're it's a, possible when you're in Canada. They're a bit out there. There's, um, they're a little surreal. Oh, and, okay. Uh, and off, yeah. Right. Is that when he kind of went back to his pop roots or something like that? Uh, it's I can't even explain it. It's 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 nothing like anything he's done. He's got another album coming out this this year. Right. Um, I honestly think it was just music that he wrote in 2020, 2021 and he released it and Okay. You know, people like me bought it. All right. Yeah. Well, if you're in the middle of a Prague Renaissance, I guess the Mars Volta has to reform, although I I I I, I Pray to the heavens that I'm never stuck in a concert hall with them playing. Um, I, I, there was a whole rash of that kind of a noise back when I was a sound man. It was terrifying. 
people active in 2022. Uh, again, we got Big B Train, Jethro Tull, Steve Vai with the Inviolate. Um, um, oh, Di Virgilio Morrison Jennings, 2022. Uh, the Flower Kings, Marillion, an hour before my pork. And King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, animals as leaders, always an amazing time with those guys. Pattern-seeking animals, oh my God, who can say enough about the brilliant writing and the uh, Spock's beard type influence in there. Ted Leonard just nailing it in pattern seeking animals. So, you know, why not? Why not in, in this climate reform porcupine tree? Mm. It's, it's, it's ripe. Conditions are ideal. It, it's the fertilizer, it's the cow poop of Prague just making <laughs> everything grow. There's your context, ladies and gentlemen. So as Ken mentioned, or maybe he didn't mention, I don't know, Closure Continuation was released on in June of 2022. Um, it was released on the label Music for Nations, um, produced by Stephen Wilson, Richard Barberi, and Gavin Harrison. Funny little side note on the wiki in, in entry for this. The studio is listed as home studios of each band member. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. I just love. As we've discussed, personnel of Porcupine Tree now include Stephen Wilson on vocals, guitars, bass, piano, mixing, design, concept, and production. Richard Barberi on keyboard, synthesizers, and production. And Gavin Harrison on drums, percussion, drum mixing, and production. Notice how everyone's very obviously getting their production credit for their stuff in their little home studios. <laughs> the track listing is um for the main cd is harridan of the new day rats return dignity herd culling walk the plank and chimera's wreck and i will point out as we said in the uh special concert series edition on porcupine tree they played all seven of those in the live set and the three um, digital deluxe edition bonus tracks that I think we will at least talk about briefly include Population 3, 3 being spelled out, not to be confused with Population 3 with the numeral 3 on the box set bonus CD, Paul's favorite track, Never Have, and <laughs> Love in the Past Tense. Closure Continuation is the 11th studio album by British progressive rock band Porcupine Tree. It is their first since 2009's The Incident, despite public uncertainty of the band's future after frontman Stephen Wilson's focus on a solo career in 2010, the album was recorded intermittently in complete secrecy among Wilson, Gavin Harrison, and Richard Barberi across the course of the following decade without longtime bassist Colin Edwin. With the COVID-19 pandemic putting members' separate plans on hold, the band found time to completely finish the record in September of 2021. Towards the end of the year, the band's reformation was publicly announced alongside the album's release date of 24 June 2022. Four singles were released ahead of the record, Harridan, Of the New Day, Herd Culling, and Rat's Return. Reformation? Really? Like they had gone to hell and back? <laughs> <laughs> it's glorious it is kind of glorious now 
a few weeks, several weeks, multiple weeks ago, I made the statement that, how did I say it? I think I said that The Raven Refused to Sing was the closest thing. Oh, to Porcupine Tree. To to Porcupine Tree. (laughs) And I believe I was poo-pooed with regards to that. We were very cautious to parse the possibilities there. I will say, and, and so I've been thinking about that as I've been listening to this album a lot. And I do think that there are certain, and, and it's difficult for me to say because, and I'm going to just own this. I obviously, as I already stated, am not intimately familiar with the Porcupine Tree catalog as it were. I'm very familiar with this record. I know a little bit about Porcupine Tree. I know a lot about Blackfield. I know a lot about Stephen Wilson's solo. And so it's interesting when you sort of start to triangulate, right? You can you can see what parts of these various projects you can easily attribute to Stephen Wilson. And I think based on what I'm hearing here, I think there are certain parts of Porcupine Tree that influence Stephen in these other projects. There's a, there seems to me to be at this point a lot of of crosstalk among this, and you know, so I do think that 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 Prague middle section of Stephen's solo catalog, um, being the Raven that refused to sing and Hand cannot erase. Mm. Um, is as closely related to at least this version of Porcupine Tree as much more so than anything else he's done. But there are, you know, Blackfield elements that show up in here as well. Um, and, you know, like I said, listening to some of the things that Barberi's doing that remind me of things I've heard in Stephen Wilson's solo work, which s- suggests to me that maybe Stephen brought some of that with him. I don't know. I forgot an important piece of crosstalk uh, in, when I did read my context. There must be something that Stephen was listening to. And I suspect that in March 2020, Stephen listened to McStein Miniman. It's funny. I was going to uh, mention McStein Miniman. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I'm, I'm definitely picking up what you're laying down, man. Stephen Wilson solo, as we'd know it, would not be as intense without Porcupine Tree for sure. Yeah, I think what's funny about this is that, I mean, when you're saying that, Joe, it, it triggered in my mind, like, you know, the parallel with Genesis, right? At a certain point in time. You know, the three were left. They all went off and did their solo projects. It's it's just that their 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 arc had already started to to go in a in a direction that was more accessible, and their solo work really went far to the accessible range, right? And you can't help those experiences when they all came back together that it in- influenced you know, the albums that followed. 
right? And and I think we're we experience the same thing here, both in both directions, right? Where it's just that here, I think that the arc is a little more similar in in what all these guys are are working on outside of Porcupine Tree. Um, I I totally agree with you. I, I when I first started listening to this, I kept thinking like, wow, I wonder what if this was you know the future bites right mm. like what would have the reaction of the fans been um to that because mm, it's it's not far off i think and so one of the things like when you read um the wikis that, that pops out right away and it, it's it's sort of wrapped up in the lore of the secret recordings and everything else is that i guess steven and garrison lived close enough together and so Stephen would go over there and they would sort of like, you know, rhythm section jam where mm -hmm. Stephen would play bass and Gavin would play drums and they would sort of build these things. If you didn't have writing credits and you listened to this record, I think it'd be pretty easy to pick out which of those songs were written in that way. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 pre it's pretty obvious, um, you know, which ones, you know, came about that way, which is interesting, right? Because we, we do know from, you know, other things that we've covered that Steven does like to, you know, play around on the bass and, and I'm, I'm going to completely project. I have nothing to back this up other than my extreme man crush on Nick Beggs to say that I'm going to assume that hanging out with Nick Beggs has had some sort of positive influence on Steven in this regard. <laughs> Extra crosstalk, yes. <laughs> I mean, Nick Beggs is just a beast and a mm -hmm. half. But anyway, yeah. so so that leads us into to Harridan, right? What a what a great way to to start off this record. Cause it it you know, it opens with one of these killer bass drum grooves that you can just you can just imagine, you know, these two guys, you know, coming up with this and going, shit, that rocks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. It uh yeah, it's it's really, really just a great way to to start it out. I just gotta say, Gavin Harrison really knows how to tune a kit. Mm. I love the i don't know if it's a millennial influence or if it's just the where we are in 2020 or if it's just smaller drums i don't know what happened but a lot of the mush is gone yeah and yeah. and and it's 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 tight is hot it is tight and it is hot yeah you know, and and so you get that uh, that great groove, but then when you get into the, the um, I guess should we call it a chorus? When we bite the dust, when we hide our cuts from the world, that hook is just, oh, it just gets in there and it won't let go. It is absolutely spectacular. Um, now it's interesting if you look up. Did anyone look up the definition of Harridan just for grins and giggles? Nope. It is listed as a strict, bossy, or belligerent old woman, or a oh. shrew. <laughs> wow. Really? Yeah. So, there you go. <laughs> That's so funny. 
after sort of near the uh, the back half of the song, after we get through the it's the time of almost rain without you, I'm in debt tonight, you get that really sort of heavy break part that just yeah. makes me drool and, you know, maybe need a change of clothes or something. It's just, ugh. That heavy break uh, feels like Porcupine Tree to me. Um, you know, my entry to Porcupine Tree was in Abstentia, and that just that heavy guitar, like, just yeah, really hits me. Like, all right, and and I'm happy they do that on um, on the opening track, right, to kind of just reinitiate mm-hmm. me into into that sort of sort of sound. But this is just a. Uh, it's just a rhythmic triumph. This song, um, there's a, there's some the whole beginning riff is like a five-ish kind of thing, which is really cool, and um, you know, yeah, it's just, it's just a drumming, uh, uh, it's it's really just a drumming expose with uh, you know instrumentation around it, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I kind of feel sometimes like it's a bit long. Like I don't know that it needed to be eight minutes, but but um, I'm happy it I, is. I, I do find myself, you know, especially driving, sort of my mind starts to wander, um, you know, sort of after that heavy break a little bit, I think. Um, uh, but, well, in the uh, live context, I mean, the longer songs yeah. play well and give fodder for the video. It, yeah. it gives fertile ground for Richard to do what he does. Yep. It works. I- I just had a thought while you were talking, Paul. And this is this is just off the top of my head. It's completely unbaked, but it, it's actually combining what you were saying, Paul, with what you had said earlier, Ken, about um, Gavin knowing how to tune a drum kit and, and it being so tight and so hot. And so when when I was Paul, when you were describing this as a, a, a whatever you called it, it was a, a rhythmic triumph a rhythmic triumph i i immediately hearkened back to my experience with lateralis Mm. by tool but this is so like i never thought of it before because like right now i'm just thinking this is so much better because of the tight drums and the production and it's not like giving me nightmares well it's so funny that you bring up tool because for some reason, there there are some very similar things about the way that Tool lands on me as this as Porcupine Tree lands on me. Um, I I find both bands to be extremely satisfying in a very technical way, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of things that just don't like that just don't draw me in, right? And and uh, you know, Lateralis is. Uh, is wonderful and there are some tracks on there that i that i like will seek out and it's like oh i gotta i gotta hear the grudge one more time you know and um but but a lot of tool doesn't do that like i i oh it's it's on i listen to it i'm like oh yeah that's very satisfying but i don't seek it out i don't you know i don't go want to go and figure it out right and that's a lot a lot of the ways that porcupine tree lands on me um Mm. I would I would say you know in absentia is is my later, lateralis uh, with porcupine tree and oddly while I really really like a lot of what's on this CD it does kind of leave me that um, 
that kind of yep it's very satisfying in those ways but eh, you know it's not it's not i'm not necessarily it's weird it's a weird feeling interesting not that i don't not that i don't like it it just doesn't sort of give me that and when you mention lateralis i'm like that that really gets me going Hmm. so yeah okay well we we entered this whole thing i think the right way so that we are essentially cherry picking the Pokemon tree catalog, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not that there's anything bad in there, but we just get the absolute cream of the crop the way that we've walked it's into true. this. It's true. Yep. Not going to disagree. So that can we can then move on to of the new day. Now, if you're looking at songwriting credits, this is a Stephen Wilson song. And quite frankly, it feels like a Stephen Wilson song. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it does. This could be the best Stephen Wilson song ever. Um, I really like this song. It's it's so good. There, You know, it, sort of instrumentally, right around the two-minute mark, you you get that, that wonderful instrumental um, bit with those just... Stephen's guitar sounds throughout this record, I think, are just delightful. Um you know they're they're Stephen Wilson, but there's I don't know. There's but he's something... not trying too hard. He's right. Just, he's just doing the right sound at the right top. Yeah, it, it sounds great. But I there's this. So in these first two record or these first two tracks, there is this l- lyrical anomaly that shows up in both of them. This concept of quote almost rain, mm. and and I'm I'm fascinated that steven seems to be fascinated with this and i'm like you know generally speaking on on the whole i have not spent enough time with this record to really you know dive in and and parse these lyrics and figure out what the hell we're talking about but the fact that this very to me strange phrase of almost rain shows up twice in the first two songs is like what Mm. what what's i'm i'm fascinated by that Hmm. yeah i mean i mean just to to hammer home the point about this as as a stephen wilson song the 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 instrumental break joe you called out around two minutes like that you know it's very it very much harkens in my mind routine from uh yes yeah very much yeah although although i i i called out routine um on dignify but yeah Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I'm I'm going to call out a tiny bit of Pariah here because on the new day is a bit of a rebirth. There's some kind of a, a thematic thing happening here. So, yeah, I feel it's I, many pieces of Stephen Wilson. Yeah. Since we've since Ken, since you brought up Pariah, uh, it reminded me there was one thing. So I've got you know I was looking at my my credits here in the CD, and so at the at the back of the credits, it you know it lists mixed by Stephen Wilson, drums mixed by Gavin Harrison, additional rec- guitar recording by Paul Stacy. So, oh, <laughs> I was thrilled to death when I saw that. I'm like, we love Paul Stacy. Oh, cool. <laughs> Do they say which tracks or just anywhere on the album? Uh, it it doesn't specify which exactly. So, 
They wanted I, him to to produce the album, but he said, "You boys aren't producible." I'm yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I could handle I, one of you. I can't handle all three of you. <laughs> I, I so want to know if if Stephen had Paul Stacy over to the condo, or if Stephen had to squeeze into the <laughs> the rat shack again. Well, uh, Ken, <laughs> <laughs> let me let me read the rest of the credit. Um. Additional guitar recording by Paul Stacy at Rosewood Music. Mm. So there you go. I don't know if Rosewood Music is is Paul's little closet, but um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. probably. We'll have to uh, we'll have to look into that. Cool. I'm just laughing. I'm still thinking about that video where they were trying to find the adapter. Oh my god. <laughs> It's one of those things I would absolutely love to to watch that again. I just don't have I I'm, I have trouble finding you know what was it ninety hundred twenty minutes to just sit down and right. rewatch yeah. something I've already enjoyed so much. Right, right. Um, cool. All right. So <laughs> that's like our Princess Bride. You have to watch it over and over again. All <laughs> sixty <Paul Stacey> video. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. And so let's, you know, we're bringing in all of these sort of um, clues that that take us to other places. Let's go to Rat's Return. This sounds like a Raven song to me, if I've ever heard it. I do like, though, Barbaria is doing some really cool stuff um, underneath the verses here. And, you know, I spent most of my time listening to this album you know, either in the car or on like, you know, a stereo sort of out and about. I've the last couple days I've listened to it in headphones and you can really kind of get in and experience some of these very cool atmospheric, creepy type textures that Barbaria is is putting underneath all this stuff. And it was really kind of eye-opening to get in there and be like, oh, I like what he's doing there. I hadn't noticed that before. And this was one of those uh one of those songs that 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 does that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well it's funny because you need I need headphones for that because come on. Like, do you actually expect me to listen to the keyboards on a song like this? I mean, <laughs> I mean, my mind is scrambled trying to figure out, you know, what the guitar riff is and the bass and guitar unison. But you, you're right, Joe. You put the headphones on, and all of a sudden, you're just like, "Holy fuck!" You're like, "That is cool," and it's so seamless when it goes back into the main riff, and he's just playing that very yeah. simple rhythm, and that gets doubled. I mean, this is definitely for me my the highlight of. Um, while I've already said "Never Have" is my favorite song, like this is the best song for me on the on the whole record. Oh, so on the contiguous record or, or the yeah. intended record? Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, hats off to Richard Barbieri, and uh, in that vein, uh, the Mark Kellys of the world, even the uh, Adam Holtzmans of the world. I mean. Thank goodness. This is why I swore off heavy metal. This is why I haven't been to see Tool. <laughs> you know, if, if if you want to keep my attention, uh, g- give me a sonic artist worth a damn, and and stop just pounding my brain with your polyrhythms, and <laughs> and 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 give me something fun, and 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 this meets the the requirement. So we're going with Barbieri. Is that how we're gonna go? I'm calling out Barbieri. Okay. Yeah. I just 
like I said, I don't know. So that's that's certainly cool with me. Um, is it just me or sort of thematically? Does this have sort of an animals vibe to it? Either mm. sheep or pigs. I, I I can't quite figure it out. I mean, I know we're talking about rats, and you know, but they're yeah, yeah. Well, uh, in that part where they're saying the Pinochet uh, and they're r rattling off all the assholes. I love. Um, I that's a very weird list of asshole dictators. It is. <laughs> it is. You're right. <laughs> but um, I I would have never thought about that, Joe. But you're right. It has that sort of. It has that sort of uh, uh, sheep. I th you're right. I never thought about that, but it has that sort of like what's that section in sheep where they're like talking in the yeah in the uh -huh. yeah. That's wild. That's cool. I will see your dogs, and um, I, I guess I can't raise you, but I I I, I will <laughs> I will see your dogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get to dogs later on, and you know the just the. You know, just to to state the painfully obvious, obviously, this riff is just fucking huge, mm. and the drumming on this album or this song is just sublime. Yeah. You know, it, there's just so much here um, that makes me kind of drool a little bit. So yeah, and that then takes us to dignity. How um, did they even get that guitar sound on Rats Return? I mean, that is uh, just fucking baller. I dude. know it is. It's it's crazy, um, and it and it was like you know these these big monster tracks live were just mind blowing. Um, Hell it, yeah! It was so good, and I mean the the sound the, the guitar sounds were were huge, and the way they were able to utilize the visuals to sort of augment that it was. Yeah, it was so good. There we go. Nice. And after the, the hugeness of Rat's Return, we need to take a little bit of a break, and we get this very slow, gentle open of dignity. And that goes into this very delightful guitar line that's great. And like I said, for me, this, this feels very like routine to me or mm -hmm. potentially something Blackfield-ish. Now, mm. one of the interesting things about learning more about Stephen Wilson is learning which parts of Blackfield to attribute to him. And when I first started listening to Blackfield, I thought most of it was Stephen Wilson. But in fact, um, it's not. Uh, it, it, it never was nearly as much Stephen Wilson as I thought. And, and it's interesting to, to see that. But, but there are parts of this song that that make me you know think of that interesting this the song in terms of its structure is really interesting to me because it feels like it's going to end halfway through the track like you you feel like all right i've gotten what i need and the music looks or sounds like it's going to resolve itself and then it's like mm, nah we're not gonna do that <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna keep going for some, you know, some some more time here, and and it's it's really cool. I like the way they sort of structured that. Why does the protagonist screw up his face? That that keeps coming back to me. You stare at the sun. That is a beautiful line, and then you screw up your face, and then you're done, and that's repeated. I've never I've never heard 
Stephen Wilson say something so street cred as screw up. <laughs> He's a bit more pompous and refined. Like, screw up? Ken, I, I'm not sure if, if this is maybe the disconnect, but I think screw up in this case means scrunch your face into a, an unpleasant yeah. visage. That's what, I, that's what I was thinking, yeah. Not like actually doing grievous harm to your face. I don't know. That's the only thing that works for me. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, and like I said, I, I have not, I'm, I'm really not into these lyrics enough yet to, to parse them out there. They're very obtuse in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. you, you know, there, mm -hmm. there aren't a lot of meetings that are really just kind of leaping out at me. So, so the next song that we get, whoa, whoa, that's it. This is such an epic song. Well, Dignity? by all means, carry on. <laughs> That's all I got. Well, we haven't gotten to the middle eight or the middle 16, whatever it is. But um, outside when the traffic cowers and the past begins to fade away, tell yourself it's just what the thunder said. So pack up your belongings and stop talking with yourself. All the friends I have, I made you a list. Even if it's true, they don't all exist. Obtuse barely begins to describe it. I have no idea what's going on here, but it's <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> and then and then he does a bass solo. You, you, we forgot to mention that Stephen Wilson is doing a bass solo at the end of this song. That's how they wrap <laughs> it all up. That's that's the apex. And it's a distorted bass solo. It's gorgeous. It is. It's delightful. Yeah. And and okay. yeah, like I said, you wouldn't normally expect that sort of behavior, and yet it's perfectly wonderful. I yeah. thought it was interesting that he didn't play any bass during the live set. Yeah, yeah, but you know he should stick to guitar because when he played keyboard, it was dreadful. So yeah, the know, keyboard I, was dreadful. But I mean, when he did his solo sh shows, he would he played bass um, yeah. on the on the opening of. Um, what regret number nine? Yeah, yeah. Nick Beggs let him do that. Yeah, <laughs> he's a very, he's a very gracious bass player. Then <laughs> Nick Beggs is awesome. Yes, he's awesome. <laughs> oh my god, he's he's too shy. If you know. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Ken. Well played. All right, can we move on to herd yes. culling now? Please. All right. Now, herd culling is an, in maybe in some regards, an obvious choice for like a song that's, you know, going to sort of grab your attention. And it was maybe one of the first ones that really kind of got me anyway, just because it, it has that really disturbing liar part. But what really, really got me was seeing this live. Because the visuals, basically, they play the video um, that they that they made for this while they play it, and oh, it's just freaky. And I don't know if you guys have seen. Um, I went on to YouTube to actually watch the video because I wanted to verify that it was in fact the visuals that I had seen during the concert, and it was, but. If you look at the first comment on that video, it's uh, by 
Lewis Daniel. It was posted uh, apparently two months ago. And it says, for those wondering behind the meaning of this song, they said on an interview that this song makes reference to Skinwalker Ranch, a place in Utah which is famous for UFO sightings and is also supposed to be cursed by a skinwalker, some kind of Native American witch doctor in the past. There are claims of big wolf-like creatures roaming the ranch and killing the cattle, as well as the cattle mutilation found in several locations where UFO presence is known. Whoa, that explains the video. It really does. As soon as I read that, I'm like, ah, now it all makes sense. Because I was looking at these lyrics, and I'm like, I died. I've got nothing. (laughs) I have no idea. Um so it was it was really very exciting to uh to have that and to to see or to at least understand what that's all about. Yeah, I just I absolutely love this uh this song and what I really like about it. So if you if you think about like I said the thing that really sticks in my brain is that that liar riff that big monster um paul i'm going to i'm going to assume you would agree that this is a porcupine tree riff oh yeah um but what what i missed and again it it becomes much more obvious when you listen in headphones is that riff is in the very beginning in a much more quiet presentation Right. And yeah. and hearing it in that way, sort of at the beginning, after you know what's going to slap you in the face later on, is just delightful. I absolutely love the way that they they put that thing together. And it's just it this song is so huge. And I literally like after seeing the live show, I can't not think of that very large, oddly stiff cgi wolf creature but it just gets in my head and i and i have this reaction to this song that is maybe outsized from what the song perhaps should be but i i can't get enough of it it is a porcupine tree riff and i and the thing that i love about it is like that small presentation at the at the at the the beginning with the clean guitar sound it really reminds me of the opening track um, of In Abstentia, the, there's like a, just a little bit of guitar at the very beginning that starts it. The other part is like in the, in like sort of the herd culling chorus part. Mm-hmm. It really is reminiscent of me to the sound of Muzak, which um, is a great song. And, and, and um, th- those little, those little like if Easter eggs, if you will, like help propel me along. Uh, and, and, make this song a little bit more exciting along the way but i'm with you joe this i mean the more i listen to i can't figure out like i can't figure out any of it like i'm trying to tap my steering wheel to the drum beat i can't, get it <laughs> I can't figure i can't figure out the timing There's a of lot that. of that on this album yeah i can't figure out the timing of that big riff i feel like they're changing it all the time and i just like for, just forget about it and enjoy it but again for me like the headphone piece to this one because i don't i don't I don't notice the the really awesome keyboard stuff going on, like in the verses and in the in the quiet parts. Um, you know, when I'm driving in the car, because I'm more concerned about what is he doing, what 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 is he doing on the on the stick clicks, and you know, when, but I listen in headphones and I start to hear all that cool keyboard stuff, and it really just fills out the song really nicely for me. 
Well, this may be a cop out on my part, but I'm I'm gonna call peak Stephen Wilson vocals on those high G's. Uh, he's he, he's just nailing it, you know. He's just he's just balls to the walls, and he's not known for that. But this is the song that required it, and he delivered. Nice, yeah, yeah I love it. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. One of the things that I've been thinking about while I'm listening to this is, you know, we never really talk about Stephen Wilson, the vocalist, do we? Not I mean, often, no. Yeah, and when he's so should. good, yeah, he, yeah. I mean, it's it's a funny thing because you don't. I don't really think of him as a singer, and um, and then there are these moments, like you say, Ken, and it's just like you're like, damn, he delivers. Yeah, so good. And then you see it live, and you get Randy in there. Fucking a. Oh yeah, man. Stephen and Randy singing together was an absolute delight. Yeah, I mean, they they should, and I I said this on the the SCS. They should invite Randy into the band just for that alone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so herd culling, big big win. That takes us on to walk the plank. Love this intro, absolutely spectacular. We are with rats yet again. So we have, um, you know, our rats are coming back. There's some very, very, again, and I, I, you know, I've used this word a lot, but it's true. There's some very creepy um, imagery that is being sort of mm. presented here um, in terms of this. There, There's a lot of this texture here. So uh, what I would describe as very heavy Barbieri influence here. Um, you know, this is, I think this is his moment to really shine, maybe even without the need for headphones, um, necessarily, but I think, you know, maybe yeah. one of the, one of the take home messages here is that, you know, in order to fully appreciate the three at this point, members of Porcupine Tree, maybe you do have to listen to headphones to get mm. all of it because, mm -hmm. you know, as we talked, right, mate, Gavin is filling up so much of your attention um, generally with what he does and Stephen can't help but seek your attention right. because that's what Stephen Wilson does. And Barbieri is, is almost understated in a lot of regards, but in here in, in walk the plank, I think he, he gets to um, shine a little bit. Yeah. I, this whole song hits me like, a combination of Peter Gabriel's "We Do What We're Told" meets, oh, meets nice the deep tracks in uh, in uh, "To the Bone" um, all at once, and I dig it. It's it's just it's very cool. And you're right, Joe. Like you don't need headphones to appreciate what Barbieri is. That what we decided. That that's what doing. we decided on. Yeah, Barbieri is doing in this. It's very cool, and I and I totally dig the vibe. So we we finish up the official CD with chimera's wreck um, oh god live that was undeniable <laughs> well it was all randy in the beginning right yeah so you know this opens up and it has a to me a very genesis feel which is unusual because steven doesn't normally go there it seems to me, and I haven't reviewed all of our, our episodes, but it seems to me that when Stephen is much more likely to to flex um, Pink Floyd 
influences than he is Genesis influences, but I think it, it comes up here. And and when it goes into the into the repeat chorus section, you know, you get this this killer groove again that just freaking slays me. I love it. Well, I, the beginning is slightly hey you if you want to go there. You think? I, I know it's a trigger for Paul. <laughs> Paul came around. <laughs> we well, then it does, we, it we successfully that, reformed Paul with regards to Hey You. It, it kind of goes into the, you know one of those classic uh, you know shuffle six eight shuffles. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love I love the six eight. And then it, and then it has like the like that sort of you know turns into a rush song for a few measures. Um, <laughs> And and then it kind of finds its way back to uh, to Porcupine Tree, but uh, it's it's inter it's interesting. Uh, you you don't sound uh, really sold on it, Paul. I I I'm I'm not. I, I get distracted by you know by these you know rush rush type li <laughs> you know riffs, and uh, and I shouldn't. I should just take things for as they come. But when something strikes me like that, that obvious, it. Makes me want to go back and listen to natural science. That's all. So. <laughs> I never want to listen to natural science, but that's a whole different thing. All right. Well, Joe, maybe you can help me with this chimera. It, it, it's what is it? A visual illusion? You're the scientist here. Help me out. Of course, you have to bring oh, me up boy. on the one. Um, <laughs> the, the, the one thing I actually looked up the the definition of chimera, but I didn't print it out because I wasn't. Oh, it's more of an uh, an artistic right. Uh, so amalgamation. Right. So so there are there are two main definitions that come up when you look into it. It's a. In Greek mythology, it's a fire-breathing female monster with a lion's head, a goat's body, and a serpent's tail. However, it is also a thing that is hoped or wished for, but in fact is illusory or impossible to achieve. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Stephen is, you know, not willing to play with both of those meanings. Um, but my guess is it probably has, <clears throat> in this particular place, it probably has much more to do with the second um, than the first. I'm afraid to be happy, and I couldn't care less if I was to die. Chimeras I love that. <laughs> I'm afraid to be happy, and I couldn't <laughs> yeah, the care cadence less if of I that. was to die. It's, it, it's almost an Irish jig. It's just, it's just sublime. Chimera's wreck around my neck to start again, to dream again, to fix the things that cursed me from the start. My father smiles at me, the child, now getting tired and losing drive, the clarity that age has brought to me. A new town in the 60s out of a concrete, out of concrete, a design made for tomorrow. Even when the rain comes, we can still find there's a future in tomorrow. These things I did with my gifts, this way I loved and lived, washed up on the shore, don't need you no more, Chimera's wreck will slip into the bottleneck. So it seems to me like just looking at those and cursorily thinking about them, this seems to me to be, you know, a song about a very high level of regret. <clears throat> and if we look at, you know, this idea of, 
something that is desired but illusory, you know, this person presumably has spent their life chasing things that were never real and were never going to be real. Mm. Um, the Fix have an outstanding song on um, their latest record um, called Life Survived. And it, it, it in some ways deals with what I'm assuming are similar type ideas. ideas. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the way I'm going to take it. I don't see a lot of fire-breathing um, goat-headed monsters in here. Um, but, you know, you could certainly, you know, given the fact that the album starts with a track called Harridan, and we know what that means, um, it's it's not a huge leap to figure that Stephen could have figured in some mythical female monster in as part of these um, desired things that are illusory. Very nice. I, fo I, I follow. I follow. The only line that seems uncharacteristic is a new town in the 60s out of concrete design made for tomorrow. If he was American, I would say that was Levittown, uh, but he's British, so I have no idea what he's getting after. Yeah, well, I mean, it, maybe not Levittown. Yeah, it's it's difficult to say. In the '60s, obviously, there was a lot of concrete buildings. Um, you know, it was it was all the rage. My, I guess it's not a stretch to assume that there was a similar architectural period in the UK, and it probably has aged as well as the American version <laughs> with regards to that. My God, I looked at one a concrete building. But the floors were asbestos. Oh God! You, you, it was it, it was just it was just the worst of both worlds. <laughs> oh my God! At least with with wood, it's easier to blow through the back wall and make an expansion, or to yeah. you know put in the bay window that you always dreamed of. But when you're stuck with a concrete house, you're you're kind of confined. <laughs> it, it, it's it's quite the image. It it really is. Oh my God. And then there's Gavin just stealing the show as this song progresses. And I'm totally okay with that. And live, it was fucking on fire. It was incredible. It's sad to end the album here, but thank goodness we have a rebirth. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. So, so as Ken, as you mentioned, that's the end of, of the CD release, but we have... And I've already forgotten what the hell they called it, but the uh, the deluxe digital release or whatever it is, where we get these three extra songs. So Population 3 is an instrumental, and I think it's just, you know, more in the theme. This sounds, again, like it was probably just one of these um, Gavin Steven jam things that was expanded out a little bit. Uh, you know, it's... It's cool. It's spectacular. It's wonderful. It's the sound of porcupine tree wanking. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm totally really? okay. Yeah. Because I thought it was a Fender commercial. <laughs> <laughs> and and then they do give us these, these two songs, um, Never Have, that Paul likes, and... Um, Love in the Past Tense, which is one of those songs where it, it that has really grown on me a lot more than I really would have anticipated. Um, 
but Wait, um, the order that I have is never have, then love in the past tense. Yes, right. Uh -huh. Okay, so yeah. so we're we need to cover never have as as Paul has run into this song as the inadvertent <laughs> single. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so good. Like I love the 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 beautiful piano line and just the, it, it's it's one of those things where. You know, you think you know the song, and then it kind of ramps up another notch, and you're like, "Oh, this song's even better," mm -hmm. and and then it finds another gear, and before you know it, you know, it's like you're you're flying down the road, and you don't even realize how fast you've been going. It's just so good. Yeah, I mean, I'm a sucker for a, a keyboard riff in five that sounds like Mark Kelly, and um, awesome. and then to to build so much of the song off of that with a you know, different sounds and the guitar part and everything. And like you said, Joe, it just keeps getting bigger and, and bigger. And, and, uh, you know, it, I have to say like, yeah, I mean, this was this, this was, uh, you know, first few listens, I was like, Oh my God, this song. And then it just kept showing up everywhere. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, this must be the song they want everyone to hear. This is awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, and it's funny like this and rats return. Well, I guess, I guess there is a couple that are shorter, but these are among the the short ones on the uh, on the album. I I just really identify with uh, with the, the cool stuff going on in this song and the and the rhythmic nature of it. It really is a perfect five. It's like a groovy five. It's got momentum to it. Yeah, the, which evidenced in how long they sustain it. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, it's funny because I don't think we've. I don't know how much we've talked about it here in the Plaver. But there's something about the five, right? There's, you know, there's there's certain there's certain riffs in five. Yeah, you know, like we talked about it. I, I think I mean there's there's certain riffs in five. There's certain riffs in seven. Salisbury Hill's one of them, right? Where you know you don't even you, you know you can maybe not even realize that it's in seven the whole time, right? You're just Boom. you're you're just there, but like. And it's and and it's a odd time signature, but but there's something about you know five that becomes very symmetrical, and the way that they do it here with the riff is exactly that. It feels very symmetrical and and very in place to me. It, it makes me feel really good for some reason. It's 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 pretty cool. Oh, I think they go to six at the end. I mean, the happy part. Whatever. It, it, yeah, it, it's all just it's part of that ramp up that you guys yeah. are talking about. Yeah, yeah. There's just some. I mean, the middle section with the the this cool keyboard shit going on. There's some bass and and guitar harmonies. It's just yeah, it's just really satisfying uh, across the board. And and I don't know. Maybe the maybe the rhythmic part is just that. Like I had mentioned earlier, like the the part of these guys that just satisfies like the technical aspect of of music for me whatever reason it is it's but yeah to me this is kind of a very melodic version of that and it, and it really speaks to me so well let's bring back a recurring palaver theme is three the perfect number of composers hmm interesting kenji interesting <laughs> it certainly seems to be the magic number of producers uh, for a record. <laughs> so if we look at this, though, right, um, there's actually only 
one song that's credited with all three of them. All these other songs are either one or two. Oh, Herd Culling is all three. Herd Culling has all three, but that's the Ooh. only one. Wow. Um, so if we're, if we're going to follow that to its logical conclusion, then it would imply the presence of three throughout an album in different combinations, not necessarily all three at once. Hmm. Wow. I'm just thinking about this from Barbieri's point of view. Like he contributes to a lot of shit that he gets, doesn't get songwriting on. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's uh, every man for himself. He is the Mike Rutherford of Genesis, which is extremely unfair of me to say. So all... <laughs> I know where you're coming from. It makes sense. It makes sense. I, I, I say that in the sense of him being not apparently seeking the spotlight all the time. Right, right. The glue that <laughs> yeah. binds. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, so I'm amazed looking through this. <laughs> okay, so Harrison is Harrison and Wilson. Of the New Day, I assume that Gavin Harrison contributed the odd time, but apparently that was Will Wilson on his own mm -hmm. anticipating the odd time that Gavin would eventually need. <laughs> uh, Rats return. Harrison Wilson once again. Dignity, Barbieri shines as the first composer. And then we get all three unheard calling. Now walk the plank. Okay, obviously, um, Barbieri Wilson. Wow, Chimera's wreck. There is no credit for Barbieri on there. It's just a Harrison Wilson. Right. Yeah. My gosh. And these bonus tracks, they're either Harrison Wilson or just Wilson himself. Holy crap. Okay. All right, I guess I guess it really was just uh, uh, mostly whatever happened to Gar Gavin's house made the album. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys have any thoughts on Love in the Past Tense at all? I know we talked about Never Have a Lot, but I mean, I, I think this is another example of Gavin Harrison just being absolutely sublime in a song. And I find the outro bit to this song to be ex extremely gratifying. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, this this song is reminiscent of something to me, and I can never place it. The, uh, the sound, the, 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 it's got a different sort of guitarish sound. It doesn't even sound like a guitar. It's like, an, I don't know if it's an electric. Yeah. 12, 12 string or whatever, whatever they're doing. But this whole like, you know, dun, 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 dun. Like, I don't know what that reminds me of, but it, it, it takes me somewhere. And, um, sometimes I think it's, it's like the lost track from Clutching at Straws, but, but I, it's just so strange. It's just so weird to me that the, these two songs never have and love in the past tense didn't make the album. It didn't make the, dig the, the CD. Because I think they're great, and I think it's such a great way to end this whole collection of songs. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I yeah, you're right. When you talk about tracking, as great as Chimera's Wreck is, I do think there's there's the end of the 
of the experience is a little bit more satisfying if you end on these two. Totally. Totally. And I got to say, I'm becoming a fan of Steven's falsetto. Yeah. Someday in the group chat, I'm, I'm going to text you guys. I'm like, I figured it out. I know, I know what it is that reminds me of. Oh I God. look forward to that day. <laughs> that will be awesome. So that uh, that brings us to the end of Porcupine Tree Closure Continuation. I'm I'm so excited to have. I'm I'm very glad that I got on board with this. I'm glad that I went to see them live, and I'm glad that I'm sort of sucked in and interested in exploring and learning more about this aspect of of Steven's career. I'm I'm really excited by this. Here, here. Yeah, this was a lot of fun, and I'm glad we did it. Guys, I, I'm trying to prevent myself from buying a tiny drum set, but I just feel it in my bones. I'm not even a drummer, but damn, just listening to this closer continuation, I, I want a tiny drum set. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that Gavin doesn't play a tiny drum set, right, Ken? <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds tiny. <laughs> it's like massive. <laughs> It's kind of massive, yeah. All right. So that pretty much does it for me with Closure Continuation. Do you gentlemen have any closing thoughts? I'm toast. All right. It's awesome. Well, I very much appreciate your time here this evening covering this most delightful record. Even if I don't have it on super cool silver vinyl, I will, um, you know, bear that burden to the best of my abilities and very much look forward to uh, next episode potentially discussing the tipping point so gentlemen sweet thank you We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Progressive Palaver. As always, we've enjoyed sharing the conversation with you and look forward to your thoughts, comments, feedback, and questions. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We're at ProgPala on all of those or search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is progpala, that's P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A, at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or presumably wherever you find your podcasts. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening.